Hi everyone, welcome to the Granite Mountain Movie Club. This is a podcast where we discuss movies and none of us are libtards and that's basically the premise. Um, we are all very cool, very smart, very handsome, I assume. I don't know, I haven't seen all of these guys before. Did somebody uh, say cool? Yeah, so <laughs> I'll, I'll introduce... Uh, Start off with uh, Cool Frazier. How are you doing, Cool Frazier? I'm doing good. I'm Cool Frazier. I'm listening, and I'm cool. Oh, great. <laughs> He's always listening. Um, and then uh, we're joined by Giordano, the Hello. Mambo Wizard. Hello. Um, how are you doing, Giordano? Doing great. Recovering from uh, severe illness from, I think, from watching Ali. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm you're in the I'm surviving. You're in the Barry White zone now. Yeah, it's yeah. this. I'm this is I'm sounding smoky. We don't have any uh, female listeners. I, I've honest. <laughs> I've um, I've pulled up like the analytics, and it's just like one one hundred percent male audience between the age of like twenty four and thirty nine or something like that. So uh, you turn this on with your girlfriend or your wife, and, and yeah, you guys will be making out within minutes. Yeah, if we did have a female audience, they would uh, they'd be losing it over Giordano's <laughs> voice right now. Um, and then we're joined by a first-time guest, Aldo. Uh, Aldo, welcome to the show. What should the people know about you? Thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I'm just a just a normal guy, um, and uh, I write things sometimes. So I got a Substack, uh, Aldo Johnson, J O N S S O N. Uh, okay, I'll, Substack. Just, you I'll know, put a link. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Just got a Pulp Fiction, Fantasy Adventure. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I've done so far. A couple movie reviews, a couple book reviews. But no um, no smut, right? No, no smut. <laughs> Pretty clean. Okay, nice. <laughs> if, you'd, if you did smut, we'd probably have to ask you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a smut-based Substack. <laughs> yeah, but we don't promote it on the show. No, we don't talk about it. <laughs> Hashtag smut, smut, uh, smut Substack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and uh, you know, watching some guys will watch all the Michael Mann movies instead of going to cool therapy. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, thanks, for, thanks for helping me uh, stay on track there. We, we, the, the, the theme of today's show is that we're going to be ranking all of the movies of, of Michael Mann who is a, you know, a, a fine American filmmaker. Um, he's an old man now. He's 80 years old. Not sure if we'll get any more movies from him. Oh, there's supposed to be one coming out this year about, uh, I Ooh. think, about the founder of the Ferrari Motor Company. But um, uh, but after that, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get any more from him. But he's done some good stuff, and we, we are going to be ranking. We'll do an individual ranking. We'll maybe do a little debate, just a little bit of conversation around uh, these movies. So can I ask a question? Of course. Yeah. Um, why are we doing this? What, what inspired you to pick this as a topic? Well, um, you know, we talk a lot online and I think there's like, you know, kind of our spaces online. There's, there's always, there's kind of a pursuit of dude movies. Everyone's always asking for like, what's a good, what's a good movie. Like what's a like wife's at my wife's out of town. What's a good movie I should watch? Or I need something Kino. And um, I actually don't even know what Kino means, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, 
but man, I think is some his his movies would come up kind of in a it would repeatedly come up, and so, um, I think that's kind of why we're doing it. But but there's no one reason. Why else? Uh, why else are we doing it? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think, but yeah, I'm, I'm we we also are, like. Oh, go ahead. I I love uh, I'm all about being a completist with with certain directors. You know, like if I'm. I'll get in a kick just to try and watch all the movies of a certain director. So, who else have you done? What other directors have you done? Um, I did Ridley Scott last year, and I think I got most of them. There's a few that were hard to track down. Mm -hmm. I've definitely done Wes Anderson and Darren Aronofsky. Yep, yep. Done Wes Anderson, Coen Brothers. Oh yeah, Um, yeah. Um, and some, um, you know, some people who've, who've made fewer movies like uh, Zoller, S. Craig Zoller. Yeah, he's only got like three, three or, four, or four, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Zhang Yi Mao from China. We should do Who's a Zhang Yi Mao thing. He did Hero, House oh, of yeah, Flying yeah. Daggers, Curse of the Golden Flower. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. They're good. Anyway. They're all by the Coming same guy. On, on the next episode. <laughs> yeah, they're all by the same guy. Oh, that's so, why they're all. <laughs> I'm yeah. curious. Um, you know, I so Michael Mann. He's done, I think, eleven feature films at this point. He's, you know, he's a respected guy in Hollywood, but to a to a normie audience, I don't know if he's a he's not a household name, right? He's not. I mean, he, he he's no. been successful. Not, maybe not normie, but to anybody who's like a film person, if you say Michael Mann, they'd be like, yeah, Michael Mann. Yeah, for sure. But they they you know, there's like five not to or, like a Fast and the Furious enjoyer. No, everyone would be like who. He's no Ryan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's no Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Well, um, so for me, I mean, I had, you know, he, he made Last of the Mohicans, which was sort of an ever-present thing, which came out, I think, in 92. It's like, that mm-hmm. was sort of always in the air. I always knew that movie, but I didn't know, like, it was him. Um, and I don't think I really became a, became aware of him as, like, a guy who makes a certain kind of thing until maybe 10 years ago. And I think that was when I saw heat, which came out in 95. Uh, but I didn't see it, you know, probably until the 2010s or something. Um, For but, me, uh, yeah, I heard yeah. him as a thing around uh, the dark night because everyone was like, Oh, this is heat, but uh, Batman. And so I had never seen heat because I was a, a tiny little baby when it came out. <laughs> I was seven. Um, and, uh, and yeah. Um, so, so I just always heard about, Oh, heat is what inspired the dark Knight, And I was like, okay. But like, I never took the time to watch it just cause I was like, I don't know. I was doing other things. Well, that's yeah. where did you hear that from? Was that online or something? Yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm a movie guy, but you know, I'm definitely not a completionist and I haven't seen like old stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I would just like, you know, I liked the dark Knight when I was that age. Right. Oh yeah. And so yeah. I was, you know, I was like 19 when it came out or whatever. And then, th- uh, and everyone was like, Oh yeah, the bank robbery scene and all this is directly inspired from heat. Like that's just what people would say. I think it's like an acknowledged thing. I don't. I don't think. I doubt Nolan would even push back on that. Well, I watched an interview where Nolan was the presenter at an interview with the ca- entire cast of Heat, 
at a show. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and the the um, uh, what's it called? Public Enemies was produced by uh, Nolan's company, Legendary. Oh, right. Yeah, and I and I noticed on a recent rewatch of Heat that um, you know that guy who they like sell the 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 those bonds or whatever to. It's the same guy in the opening scene of Batman who's like the bank manager or whatever, who has the shotgun. Ah. Oh, yeah. Um, which I, you know, that can't be. I, I doubt that was. Well, a... and, and also Public Enemies has Batman in it with uh, the villain from the next Batman movie that came out after it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Spoiler I would just... for Batman. My experience with uh, Michael Mann, I, I just feel like in the 90s, I was a teenager. I was really getting into, I got, I really got into film, um, especially old movies, um, in the mid nineties or mid to late nineties. Um, the American film Institute had put out a, a list of like their top 100 films of the first 100 years of cinema or something like that. So I had all these old movies on it and it was just this, this big list and it had like all the classics, like the Godfather and ET and, all the, the, the big movies, the wizard of Oz and stuff. And, uh, I got into watching and I tried to watch all those by like renting as many as I could from the video store. Cause I wanted to be like, you know, movie educate myself. <laughs> so I'm like, it's like this dorky thing to do. It's like 15 years old watching citizen Kane and stuff. But, <laughs> but one thing I recall is I just remember nobody talking about Michael Mann back then. And I didn't even know who Michael Mann was, but like you said, I, I was aware of the last of the Mohicans, although I had never seen it. I didn't watch it until much later in life because, um, I just feel like in the moment it wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't seem to be as like a household name, like Steven Spielberg or, um, Martin Scorsese or something like that. So it just, I actually discovered Michael Mann from, the movie heat, which when I was 18, I think I rented from the video store and it was like on two VHS tapes <laughs> and I rented it. And like, I was so excited and so stoked because it looked so cool. And I was of course really into the first 30, 40 minutes of it, but I, and I still liked it, but like I really lost the thread of what was happening. And, um, because I was just, I was dumb. I was like, I don't know. I, I had too short of an attention span at, at that age. But anyway, I just feel like it wasn't, I feel like we've entered a, a Michael Mann, um, I don't know, reappraisal phase or something a, a like renaissance. that. Renaissance. Yeah, so everyone, like he's really is, he really is being talked about way more now than I ever have noticed before. I, I think it's guys um, over 30 who are like realizing their dad's movies and stuff were actually good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, well, I have that. a take related to that. But um, so so I think and and maybe I'll talk about it more in depth later. But um, one of the things of watching these movies, especially the older ones where they're shot on film, is like we're so used to like everything being like essentially like fake and CG that like watching a movie like especially like like Manhunter or Thief back in the 80s and even the heat as well, where it's like super almost like hyper realistic it's just so refreshing to be like wow this is what like real things look like <laughs> and and so for me like watching all these older michael mann movies has been like 
so refreshing compared to like just the movies that come out nowadays. Okay, and Aldo, how about you? How did you? Uh, how did you? What was your entry point to the Manosphere, well, was, as we're as we're calling it? It was definitely Last of the Mohicans, but like I, I think I first saw it in high school, and it's just one of those movies. I just I really love that era. I love that those type of movies, and so, um, like whenever it'd be on cable or something, I'd watch it. These days, I watch it kind of once a year just because I like it. I just have it on. Um, but I don't think I associated Michael Mann, his name, with that movie. I don't even know if I realized it was his until like this year, you know. Yeah, and as um, we'll get as we'll get into, I think it's like it's an oddball. It's pretty mm-hmm. unusual yeah. for the rest of his stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And um, I think the the first one maybe that was like you know Michael Mann, the the auteur kind of association might have been Collateral for me. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and and for me like. I think the first Michael Mann movie I saw would have been Collateral. Mm-hmm. And then, um, although I, no, 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 I saw Ali when it came out. Because <laughs> uh, my mom was a big fan of Muhammad Ali from Ooh. growing up in the 60s. And then, uh, and so I saw that and then, but, you know, didn't think much of it at the time or now. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I saw Collateral and really liked it. But, um, but yeah, never basically i watched all of these in within the last like three months so <laughs> although i may very well have seen the clean flicks collateral yeah yeah because yeah, i was like i was in one <laughs> i was in rexburg we were, when i watched it so oh yeah yeah i was in provo we were like we were in there every night getting new movies yeah <laughs> Wait, there was a physical like clean flicks store yeah oh yes yeah. oh yes just south of uh-huh. campus in at byu I don't think I realized this. Yeah, there was a you video know that store place there. south of campus. Me and Granite were just going to the hard R <laughs> store. <laughs> I was going to the public library. I would just go get DVDs from the library. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In Rexburg, there was one uh, next to the Kmart. Yeah, and uh, there was this nice lady there, and uh, I would we would rent movies. Our apartment would always rent the movies, and then uh, go home and copy them. And uh, onto DVDs, and then one time we re- accidentally returned it, but we, we returned it with the the copy we had made in the case instead of the original, and uh, we got yelled at. So, <laughs> all right, let's um, <laughs> let's uh, let's start ranking these bad boys. Um, I'll go first, and then uh, maybe I'll I'll call on you guys, or may, and I, there might be because there's you know duplicates and stuff. There might be times where I um pass one of you up or something but if you you know if you want to say something just jump in but um i'll go first so my uh my my bottom ranked michael mann film is his i think it's his second feature film called the keep (laughs) which is a you know i have it as the bottom film but it's honestly not bad it's uh but it's you know it's this like kind of a sp- it's the only like ghost story he's done only like only scary thing he's done only like supernatural thing <laughs> yeah it's the only yeah. movie of his I think that has supernatural elements and stuff um it's got some funny stuff going on it's got it's got Nazis it's got uh, concentration camp uh, philosophers and stuff it's kind of interesting but but ultimately it's just like not a really complete product so it's it's the bottom of my list 
Yeah, and and man himself basically like refuses to discuss it. Like I've seen several Q and A's with him, and people will be like, "We are huge fans of the keep. Are you ever going to do anything with it?" And he's like, "Next question." Like he doesn't talk about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know and, what's, what I liked okay. about the keep? Great poster, great Ooh. cover art. I'm not sure I saw it. So the the, the listeners are going to have to go Google it. Hey, you mean you the... didn't see it on the DVD sleeve that you purchased legally? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay. actually not out on. They, I don't think they ever released it on DVD. Okay, I was going to ask how you watched the keep because I just torrented the keep, and the version that I got, I don't know if it was a fan edit or something, but it was like, it was like it looked like a, a grindhouse movie from Quentin Tarantino, where like there was cuts in the film and like the, it was like all weird looking. But I don't know if that's how I think that's Mann... the regular cut. Yeah. Okay. So so Michael Mann was doing like the the grindhouse Quentin Tarantino thing all the way back in 1983. Well, I think it's like it. not a transfer from a from a film. Well, there's a part where the Paramount logo like gets cut. Like the Paramount logo on mine is like out of focus, and then it looks like it got cut off in the middle, and then you have to like oh, adjust did... it. Did you watch it on like Tubi or whatever? <laughs> no, that's that's where I watched. It. No, it's on yeah, Pluto too. TV. Pluto, that's yeah. where it's on. Okay. Wow. So, like, if anybody listening wants to watch it, it is freely available on Pluto TV. Yeah, just well, watch it's, a it's, few ads. It's like the perfect Pluto movie. It's it like really totally is. A, Truly totally is totally a Pluto movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading on Wikipedia. Maybe the issue with the keep was it was. I don't know if this is true, but Michael Mann had like a 300 minute or like insane runtime originally. For, and then they had to cut it down to two hours. And then the test audiences didn't like it even then. So they cut it down to 90 minutes. So that's probably why it made no sense. Yeah. It, it like feels unfinished. Yeah. As I was watching it, I really liked it, but it I, I didn't understand the plot at all. And so I There's, just uh, gave up I mean, on the, the funniest aspect about it to me is, um, no, now Michael Mann is Jewish, right? But he's, the movie's got this like Jewish character who they, they, they bring out of a concentration camp because he's like a scholar. And I just, I, I just thought it was very funny because the, he actually ends up, it's like a Christian little town that's basically run by like the priest and there's like Nazis occupying it. I don't know. It's a little complicated, but but then they, they bring in this Jewish guy and he like starts helping this like demon entity. And I just, <laughs> if, if Michael Mann wasn't Jewish, that someone would have called this well, an anti-Semitic and, movie. And also there's good Nazis and bad Nazis in the movie. So right, like yeah. there's the good Nazis who are like just trying to help out. And then the bad Nazis come in and the good Nazi guys like, Hey, come on, you're ruining our Nazi name. <laughs> so Aldo, Aldo, you had this as your, your lowest ranked one as well. What, what are your, That's true. what's your take? Yeah, it was just it was just a mess, and I gave up on it halfway through. So it's the only <laughs> one I have I didn't finish. That was sad. Before, like you missed. Uh, I don't I'm, know. I don't know what you missed, but you missed yeah. something. Like a when weird I, demon sex scene of some kind. <laughs> like when you when you told me like, oh well, you you probably you, you don't need to see if you don't want to. And then I, I look at the at the synopsis. I'm like, whoa, that sounds really cool. Like a supernatural world war two but no it was it was just not there i thought the only the only thought thing i thought was i mean it had had good actors in it um some some recognizable actors some fairly big names i thought it was funny though the uh one of the guys from heat one of the the supporting actors 
was the the priest in this one, which was, I don't know, just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, you notice that when you, I think every director does this, but you, if you watch all their movies over, you know, a one month span or something, you'll see like the same five or 10 guys re- re- reappearing everywhere. Well, I saw that, that Thief was that guy's first movie, like he was his first mm-hmm. uh, acting gig or whatever. So yeah, he was a stage actor his whole life, okay. and that's how he found him. Okay. Which guy was it? Um, oh, you said the priest, Leo from the from Thief, or or the priest from the Keep. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, and then let's uh, Cool Fraser or uh, yeah, Cool Fraser. The bottom of your list was Black Hat. I can't believe that was at the bottom. What's your reasoning for Black Hat? <laughs> the reason was I fell asleep twice trying to watch it, and it was during the middle of the day, and. <laughs> It wasn't bad. Like I, it's at the bottom of my list, but it's actually not bad. Like it's a good movie, but it's just like it's it's a little bit of a slog. And he did a director's cut of it that sounds much better. But the one that's on Netflix right now is not the director's cut, and I didn't feel like torrenting a different cut. So um, anyway, like part of the reason, like, and it doesn't make any sense, is they start with. Um, a hacker blowing up a nuclear power plant, which is like a horrible hack. And then they follow it up with now he's, he's jacking up the price of commodities on the stock market. And so like, that was like an escalation supposedly, but in the director's cut, those are flipped. Uh, The commodities hack happens first. And it like starts with, you know, the showing Chicago and, or New York and then showing, you know, the trading scene. And then the next thing that happens is the big explosion in China, which would make the movie make a lot more sense. But apparently, like, the studio was like, it's not a big enough opening or something. Let's start yeah. with the explosion. And yeah. for reference, for reference, Black Hat's like, what, 2015 or some, mid, mid-2010s, and it's got mm-hmm. uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, who's a lead hacker. Lead hacker, and then he has a, an Asian love character. Or something. Yeah, we get at yeah. least. And then like there's three. Viola Davis there yeah. for some reason, and then they basically they get the the former criminal to work out for the good guys to catch the hacker. The That's man the trope of weird relationship with Asian woman. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. <laughs> yeah, man puts yeah white guys with Asian women, I think, three times throughout these movies. Yeah, I think at a certain point in his life, he he really started liking Asians. <laughs> um he uh, became a weeb oh but um also by the way we're doing spoiler free for anyone listening so like if you're like oh man i don't want to know what happens in black hat like we're not going to spoil the movie for you but like yeah, what i gave you happens in the first level. 15 minutes it's it's okay um my one Giordano, note let's, my oh, one yeah. note i had for black hat was just boring <laughs> that's it yeah there's a couple good fight scenes some of the cinematography is interesting there's it's kind of the same philosophy that he's doing in all the movies, but yeah. Um, the the one thing I saw and he did, was interviewed about it is he mentioned that he wanted to kind of capture the fact that organized crime no longer requires like a big organization. So like you can do international crime as a just a guy now. So that was kind of like what he wanted to show. I guess yeah. he could have just made that a tweet. <laughs> yeah, he could have just <laughs> tweeted it, and we we would have gotten it. <laughs> Um, me and Aldo both had Black Hat at number eight out of eleven. Oh, and um, we had uh, the Keep. Me and Giordano had the Keep at seven. So, any Keep fans, like we, 
we were big on keep. <laughs> yeah, you guys like keep. That's about the midpoint of his. Uh, well, not the midpoint, but close. Um, okay, Giordano, you had Ooh. Ali as your lowest ranked one. The, the oh, Muhammad yes. Ali biopic. Yes, Muhammad Will Ali. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should specify uh, Ali. I had as eleven is the first forty-five minutes of Ali because that's all that I watched. So first, <laughs> that's probably the minutes. best part. Oh, really? Because it, it got, oh, it got worse after that. I I was um really floored by this movie because I I really thought that it was I actually I mean I don't know a lot about Muhammad Ali but um I I always loved uh there's a really great documentary about him from 1996 called uh, When We Were Kings unfortunately yeah. titled um and uh, <laughs> and it's about uh, Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman the rumble in the jungle fight that they had in Africa. Yeah. And that's where the movie, that's the movie has that. Does the movie cover that? Cause I didn't make it that far, but it's like the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I would say just to skip that and just watch the, the wonderful documentary. Cause it's so great. Um, but I was just watching like Will Smith walking around talking about Jews and circumcision. And then there's one point where he's like sitting in a room watching a TV talking about termites and it shows like a house collapse. And he says, like, you get one of them little things in your house and your walls and they be eating up all them walls. Then that, that can destroy your whole house. That's just from one little termite. And I'm like, what am I watching? And I, <laughs> and I thought it was, I actually knew what it was. It was Will Smith trying to go for the Oscar because they, there's like that meme in Hollywood. If you do like the Forrest Gump you know, not never go full retard type of thing. But like, he's, if you're trying to do like a mentally disabled person, then you win an Oscar. But he was trying to portray Muhammad Ali that way. When like <laughs> Muhammad Ali, like he was kind of weird and he's kind of goofy, but he was way more charismatic and way more interesting than yeah. stupid Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith so I... with his dumb, he's like juts his bottom jaw, lower jaw out. And like, he thinks that that's like acting. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had it kind of tied for last place and yeah. and I powered through the whole movie, man. Oh, I got but, well, but actually, just, can I say that the one part where, where when I saw him and he was like, and oh, this isn't a spoiler, but like he starts um, he's like making out with Jada Pinkett at one point mm-hmm. and they're like boinking in a hotel room or something. And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, that's his real wife. And then. And I was like, yeah, they were actually married when they made this. And, I'm, and I start, I couldn't help but thinking, like, this is what it actually looks like when they're together. And it, I was really grossed out, and I turned it off. Yeah, and also <laughs> after the Oscars last year, it was just, like, sad to watch. It was, yeah. like, very sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, Will Smith has, like, zero charisma. Like, he basically, like, he acts like a depressed Muhammad Ali yeah. all the time. And then just, like, when he's in front of cameras in the movie – like he'll kind of turn up and kind of try to sound like Muhammad Ali, but it like kind of like a slower, less like rhythmic <laughs> version. And it's like, he's a rapper. He should be good at kind of that rap yeah. that Muhammad Ali did. But like, I, I just to compare, cause I'm like, I feel like Muhammad Ali was way cooler than this. So I watched like some old clips of Muhammad Ali and I'm like, man, it's night and day. This guy has yeah. so much more charisma than Will Smith. Yeah. He's like a dead fish. And then every once in a while he talks in a silly voice. Yeah, and I'm so like, I, what is this? So you guys, uh, so Giordano had this at 11. Cool Frazier had it at 10. 10. It's like Aldo, tied for 11. Yeah. Aldo had it at nine. So you guys are all um, Ollie haters, but yeah, I could probably um, put it at 10 and switch it around. <laughs> um, so I actually don't like Muhammad Ali, the person. So oh. 
So I actually kind of liked how the movie made him look bad. Um, <laughs> uh, this one was at number six for me. I actually, I, oh, you didn't like his philandering, right? Well, that's that's an issue. But I, the main thing with the the movie is that I I liked everything that wasn't Ali. Like I thought the yeah. John Voight as Howard Cosell was actually really funny and good. I thought the Jamie Fox like you know weird Jewish guy thing was good. John Carlo um, Esposito was good as the dad. Yeah, and, and I agree with the dad too. I think Ollie mm-hmm. is, is a jerk for not you know keeping his family name. Um, and I like the Malcolm X stuff kind of. And I and that's another thing I don't like about Ollie is how he didn't. He you know he should have sided with Malcolm X. Not that I side with Malcolm X, but you know <laughs> he's better than Elijah Muhammad. But this uh, is the argument they make in uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, Coming to America. <laughs> they have in the, they have the old men have in the barber shop and they're they're talking about Muhammad Ali. Of course, I'm a kid when I when I saw that I had no idea what they were talking about. But it's the old men talking about how uh, Cassius Clay should have kept his name, and this was yeah. like old black men having the same opinion. So yeah, yeah, and I think you should have. So anyway, I mean, I didn't, I don't love it, but I, but it's number six for me because it, it is pretty, and and Will Smith is not, you know, not one of the, you know, he's kind of the worst thing about it, but. Yeah, but it kind it kind of worked for me. Well, well, and and to be clear, it's not a bad movie. Like like it's really well directed, and like Michael Mann's style and stuff is in there. And apparently, that was the first time he used digital photography too. So like for Ooh. some of the um, the up close shots in the fight scenes that he used digital cameras for, but. That anyway. was a bizarre choice. At the opening shot of the film was um, Will Smith jogging, and then it showed like this. It was clearly digital film of him uh-huh. jogging, so it just looked like it didn't in a gray like, hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> it was Trayvon Martin. It was <laughs> before it happened. Yeah, what, what, what year was that? no? That came out in like two thousand. Pulls up along him as he's running, and they're like, "Where are you running to, boy?" Yeah. And, and like, I'm like, oh, jogging. this is a statement on Trayvon Martin before it happened. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was in, it was all digital, but it was supposed to be in the 60s or the 50s. Uh-huh. Yeah. It made no sense. It didn't look good. Hmm. Strange choice. But yeah. I think um, it was because it was new then. So it was just like you could do it. Just cool. Yeah. It was new. Um, I'm going to keep it moving here with um, maybe kind of a controversial one. My, my number 10. My yeah, second least bad. favorite man. <laughs> What'd you say? This is a bad take. <laughs> well, controversial, controversial. Um, my second least favorite one is uh, is uh, Last of the Mohicans. I just when you put that in the chat, I didn't even want to. I didn't even acknowledge <laughs> that. I just pretended like I didn't see that. But no, so, okay, that's real. I had seen it back in the nineties, and at the time, um, it seemed fine. I'm like, this is, but it was. I'm like, this is just like a. This is like a grown-up movie. It's like a mom and dad movie. <laughs> so like mom, mom and dad go to Sizzler and so you see last thing. Can... Uh, but so I, I remember it having this good reputation and it has that music, right? I'd listened to the music a bunch over the years and, and it's great. Yeah. But then uh, I watched it like uh, two weeks ago and I was so bored. It was like, I, it was so hard to get through. Um, you know, and I was, I watched probably five of these in the last two weeks. And this was the hardest one by far. Harder than through. Black Hat. I enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed Black Hat. Oh, wow. Gosh. Wow. Um, and, and it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. It's obviously very well made. It, I assume it got like a best 
picture nomination or something. Um, you know, culturally it might be his most, you know, well-known movie, but I, I don't, I don't know it. So I'll go next because I had it have it lower than the other two, but I could have potentially put it lower, Mm -hmm. but what redeemed it for me is the ending, which I won't spoil it exactly like, like what exactly happens, but, but basically what happens is all the storylines that are taking place in the movie where like, you know, there's the, the Mohican family guy and they've got their things. You've got the daughters who want their things. You've got the, the captain of the whites who wants his thing, right? All these different storylines that are building tension, building tension. And then at the end, there's no dialogue, just a big action scene. And it resolves all those storylines without even a word of dialogue. And and I was like, that's like genius, like how he pulled that off. Yeah, it's a very. Um, I feel like it's a very Michael Mann ish um, mm-hmm. thing to have. What seemingly really small things that creep into small, small events that then sort of spiral out of control. Um, that well, I guess it's not a, a running theme, but. It's something I noticed at least a few times in watching all of these movies. Yeah. Also, th- this is the first one we're talking about that kind of has... Well, I guess The Keep kind of had it as well. But all of his movies tend to have at least a, a kind of a lawman and an outlaw, mm-hmm. which I feel like this movie has. And then also it has a third position, which is kind of like just like a wild person, mm-hmm, like just mm-hmm. a wild and crazy guy. And so um, all of his movies have that. Like a lot of his movies have those like kind of three positions. And um, and this definitely has that, which is like an interesting theme he does in his movies. So um, Giordano and Aldo had, I, I'm going to spoil, you know, some of these rankings, mm-hmm. but the, the, you two have this at number two. So I will, I will let you guys talk about that one toward the end, I guess. Um, okay. And about why you like it. And, uh, and if I forget to like point that out, just, I have it at five, jump in and yeah. Yeah. Uh, And cool phrase. I'm not gonna let you talk about it again. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just (laughs) kidding. You can, if you do. I'll I'll Um, be talking about Magua. Yeah. yeah. Magua, Magua kill me. Well, I guess I'll ask it later if we're talking about it again, but I want to ask Aldo if he has seen black robe. No, I haven't seen that one yet. So that's the only reason it wouldn't have been higher for me is just Black Robe is so much better than Less the Mohican. <laughs> and that for for the folks at home, that's like a similarly themed movie. Yeah, it's uh, Native Americans in Canada instead of mm. New York. It's my duty in that one too. They call them First Nations there. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, okay, then uh, let's see. Giordano had Black Hat at ten, but we don't yeah. need to talk about it anymore. No. Uh, okay, here's one, Aldo. Talk, let's talk about Miami Vice. What? That's yeah. your number 10. Why do you not like Miami Vice that much? Oh, gosh. So, you know, I'd say, you know, I've seen all these movies except for two until recently. Um, and some of them I didn't get back to for a second viewing. Some I did. Miami Vice was one I did watch again and just didn't care for. So I think part of it is, um, you know, I think Collateral was the first movie he did all in digital. And Miami Vice was too. And I just, 
at the time really did not like that look. I still don't love it. Um, you know, collateral was like... actually half and half. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So Miami vice was his first like pure digital one. Yeah. And it just, you know, it reminds me of a, a local news weather report, you know, like <laughs> from, from the field. Yeah. So I just, just, I don't, I don't like that look. Um, but and also it was like just, high frame rate too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and when all the TVs were, were doing that and before, before the factory settings were like, no, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> um, so there's that, there's, there's some of it that just, um, let's see. I, I remember at the time really laughing at the, the go fast boat. Um, <laughs> I think that's just the silliest name for, for a speed boat, but they're speaking really seriously about these go fast boats. Um, and then, um, also just, I felt it was just kind of soulless. Like it's just mm-hmm. kind of gritty for grit's sake. Almost. I didn't, I didn't really identify with anyone and care, but I mean, he does, he has a lot of those, those characters in his movies. Um, but you can still care about a lot of them. Um, and this one, no, I didn't, I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. So I have it. I have it at number nine. So it's, it's same territory for me. I don't, um, the thing about it for me and I, and I never watched like the show. Um, and I actually had this conception in my head that the show was like kind of like lighthearted and fun, which I, I looked back on and apparently that's not the case. Apparently the show is kind of the same as the movie. Um, but the show was obviously very successful. So I don't know what they did right. And the, the movie did wrong, but the movie, the issue for me is it's like, you have Jamie Foxx and what's that? it's Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell on screen. And they're both like really, really funny guy. They're both good at serious dramatic work, but also uh, comedy. And they like never do a funny thing in the whole like two <laughs> hours and 20 minutes or whatever, however long it is. That's kind of an issue for me. And then like you say, the soulless thing, that's, I think that's accurate. Um, and then and you also mentioned like how they were talking, you know, they're talking seriously about these boats. The whole thing is self-serious. Like the whole thing is like takes itself way too seriously. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really, you know, it's Miami vice. It's set in Miami. A lot of the movie takes place in Cuba. Right. And yeah. like, you never get like the tropical feel. You never get like the, like that. I don't know. It, it just never like feels fun. It never feels like, I don't know. It just never, never gets yeah, there. You don't, you don't get like the vibrancy of Miami as a character, the way you get the cities in his other movies. I mean, you get like, you get the feel of a Florida, like boatyard, but you don't, you know, like, yeah, like the, the setting is still, is still a character kind of, but yeah, you don't get that vibrancy. You don't get the, the tropical exotic nature. I, I feel like you guys are so wrong. <laughs> you have I, it, I mean, you, and, you and Giordano both have it at number six. So what's oh, yes. the case? I want to ask, anyway? did you guys watch the director's cut or was it theatrical? I don't. Um, I can't. I think I did director's cut. I watched the 4K Blu-ray with director's <laughs> commentary and is five hour version. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. I just watched like, I think it was on Netflix or something. If it yeah, was I on Netflix, HBO then I watched the Netflix version. I watched or, yeah, it. Whatever it's on. When it, when it first came out, I did watch Miami Vice. I think I was in college or close to being done with college. And um remember being pretty disappointed because for many of the reasons that you guys are bringing up, um, 
I feel like Miami Vice came out at a time it would have been so poised to just be that cool retro aesthetic look to that like Vice City Grand Theft Auto was was popular and and like like all the, the vaporwave look and like the neon lights and Miami and like 80s stuff. I thought it was it was going to be amazing that to have Michael Mann do something like that with the synth music and because that's all I really remembered him for was um having that cool music in um and stuff. But then it didn't really do a lot of that. Years later, I rewatched it, but I watched the director's cut, and um, I think that it helped a lot. It still, it's not great, but I, I put it really high because I feel like I can rewatch it and still, because I keep trying to rewatch it to try to uh, to try to get it. And so I don't know. I, for a lot of these other ones, I won't re- really rewatch, but this one I will. So, so I think I get it. Yeah. Like, and, and a big part of it is expectations, right? And I yeah. think with a lot of these movies, like expectations has, has to do with it. I'm going to bring this mm-hmm. back up yeah, when yeah. we talk about heat and thief. Um, but um, so yeah, you expect vaporwave fun, Miami eighties, buddy cop, right? Yes, That's yes. in your mind when mm-hmm. you hear Miami vice and what you get is this kind of like, visual tone poem filmed on like camcorders to make it look like it's almost like an episode of cops but like it's like a very like like german expressionist uh (laughs) like tone poem done on digital cameras from 2006 and like it it's the um the main characters the buddy Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell maybe speak to each other a total of like seven lines in the entire movie. So part of that though is cool because he's like showing their familiarity by having them not talk to each other. Yeah. They just kind of read each other's minds. We need, um, we need a Bechdel test for buddy cop movies. (laughs) (laughs) Do they, do they make each other laugh? (laughs) Do they pull their sunglasses down and look at each other? (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, no snacks. There's, there's like, uh, and one of the scenes that uh, Michael Mann brings up is like, they're like talking to an informant and as they're talking to him, just out of nowhere, Colin Farrell just stares out at the ocean and it just like has this lingering shot of him staring out the ocean. And then it like goes back to them, like talking, uh, <laughs> talking to the informant and it's like, what, what was that? And he like says, it's like a weird thing to do. Like he says that himself, but he's like, trying to show that there's like this lingering for freedom that he has, that he doesn't really have quite fulfilled. And like, then he has it fulfilled with this Latina Chinese woman who <laughs> was like raised by Latinos, but barely speaks uh, Spanish and lives in Cuba English, yes. and has, yeah, barely speaks English and has a heavy accent. Very heavy um, accent, yes. And she's and mid. Yeah. It's the weirdest <laughs> choice for like, they could have got any hot Latina star. Like there could have, there were so many at that time, yeah. but, but like they just picked some random Asian. I, I, I really love that actually. I don't know why. No, I did too. I was like, yeah. this is weird, man. It's, it's like, just definitely weird. And where he says, hola chica. And like, yeah. that, that's like one of the weirdest things, but I love that. I still remember that. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, ni hao. Yeah. And then, uh, no, yeah. Like they, they, like it's like a weird movie and like i really appreciated it i was like man he really did something weird but then like once again it's kind of uh the same themes that he's been doing all all this time with all of his kind of crime movies 
and uh, you know what is the line between a criminality and law enforcement, and it's just like you know it's razor thin in this movie, and like he could go either way. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I liked it. I I want to say um, if I can plug uh, plug my project here. This is at Miami Vice. Actually, that that uh, Ola Chica thing. There's a there's a part where uh, Colin Farrell says that, and that actually made its way. If anyone uh, has read uh, my my fantastic uh, life altering debut novel, The Mamba Wizard, Breakfast is Served. Um, Chica is used a lot in that. And I'm pretty sure that's directly stolen from Miami vice because, <laughs> because I just loved it that much. And um, oh, I was yeah. going to say, if just watch it. Just in the director's cut, the opening is completely different. He, I think Michael Mann does this a lot. He changes his openings in the director's cuts, but they made mm-hmm. a, an extended nightclub scene opener, which is so awesome. And the, the final, the final action scene, the final shootout scene is one of my favorites. It's so, so yeah. good in this. Yeah, I was going to shout out also the action in it is is actually pretty good. Like yeah. the the car scenes and then the the even the boat scenes and then the, the yeah. go fast boats. You have to and get then the airplane get, scene that where like oh, the yeah. airplanes right under the other one. Yeah, that, that was cool. If you but then to, but yeah, that to, final shootout is like pretty epic, like like closest to heat, I would say. Oh, yeah. I would say the biggest problems with Miami Vice is, as you said, expectations and uh, the title. Like, it should just just don't call it Miami Vice, and yeah, I think that'll help a so lot. Call it Forlorn Detective. A... <laughs> <laughs> he produced the TV show, right? Right. He wasn't oh, yeah. the creator or showrunner, though. Okay. So he was executive producer, and I think he has like writing credits. Okay. Mm. Like, because was was the movie kind of just supposed to be his? What he would have done with it, or what what he would have wanted to do with? Well, because it, it doesn't even like reference the TV show other than there's like a black guy and a white guy. Yeah. Who are undercover. It, I think this was the Ryan Johnson um, subverting your expectations version. Uh-huh. Of, like that, I really think that's, that's all he wanted to do is just, oh, well, what do you expect from Miami Vice? I'm just going to do the complete opposite. Also, I feel with the progression of Michael Mann movies, Miami Vice like makes a lot of sense. That's true. Like if you watch all those movies and then you're like, this is the next one he made. It makes a lot more sense than being like, this is how they remade Miami vice. Yeah. 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 Um, Giordano, you and cool Frazier have public enemies at number nine. That's it's number nine for Mm. both of you. Mm -mm. Uh, So tell us about public enemies, public enemies. Dang. What? Okay. Here's my issues with public enemies. So, I enjoyed the Native American girlfriend character because I always enjoy um, anytime there's Native characters in movies. I think it's cool and um, and not enough of it. Uh, continues the man trend of weirdly accented women, which he loves to put in his movies for some reason. Mm-hmm. Although Christian Bale's accent sucked and was distracting and silly. <laughs> but what I liked about this like with all Michael Mann movies, I put this low. I put this as number nine. It's not a bad movie. It's just bad for when you have it against all these other amazing films. It it just seems like an old timey version of heat to me. And, yeah. um, yeah. the biggest yeah. issue is like, I love Michael Mann's use of music, but because this is taking place in the 1930s or is it the, yeah, it's in the thirties. Um, he has to use all this old timey period music instead of like the cool 
80s synth score. You know, that would have been cool anyway if he did that. Doesn't he break it at one point? Doesn't he do something modern in there? I I think actually he did, and that was like my favorite part. But there was a part where there was like a sex scene set to this old-timey music, like this old ragtime jazz music, and it was just like, oh, I don't know why. Uh I just... I didn't get it. Yeah, that's not my that's not my favorite sex music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and as has been pointed out uh, with Michael Mann, what I I love that he can make me. I love that he doesn't necessarily hit the audience over the head with a certain um, point of view when when showing historical things, and. Uh, so it's just like he just presents history and then you're allowed to make your own conclusions about it. But the issue with this was I wasn't really rooting for Christian Bale and I didn't really root for Johnny Depp. So I found myself not caring. And well, surprisingly, both of them had very little charisma. Like, yes, Christian Bale. OK, I, it makes sense. And apparently the real guy like killed himself shortly after. <laughs> So oh, like, I think it was, was an accident. Like a, oh, oh, I thought he was like a depressing guy. Like maybe he's just like a very <laughs> depressed guy. A lot of former cops do 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 that, but I think in this case they say he was like cleaning his gun or something. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. what they always cool. say. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the classic euphemism. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but like Johnny Depp at like the peak of Johnny Depp, yeah. and he's just like kind of boring, and like he's supposed to be this charismatic like man of the people. But yeah, he's not. And I feel like that's more of a fault of Johnny Depp than the the direction or the writing because I feel like it was there but like just Johnny Depp kind of just seemed a little down or depressed. I, I felt like Johnny Depp wanted the movie to be about how he was John Dillinger and like how he was just being <laughs> him. He's like, "No, I'm the real John Dillinger." Like I have this I don't know because he wasn't acting. He was just talking like Johnny Depp like in interviews yeah. and scene. Yeah. Like and I know you can act. I saw you being the freaking pirate Captain Jack Sparrow for eighteen movies. You can do yeah. that. But like you can't. You can't try something here with, you know, try to be some. I don't know. Make it interesting. And it, and also, as you were mentioning, like kind of all his crime movies are almost like this could have. Like it's a story that could be like as old as time, or like from the Wild West, or from like the the forties, like criminals or whatever or 30s criminals but like and he kind of takes stories from those era and then like makes a modern like that's where like heat comes from yes, and, yes. and stuff like that but um but like it, he said it in that time period and yeah i do feel like it suffers from that like had he just done the same story but with like fictionalized versions in modern yeah. times it would have been like a you know heat too, cruise control um aldo and i both <laughs> <laughs> Aldo and I both have it at um seven. I mean, I'm uh I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Actually, as we're sitting here talking, I mean, I don't know if it's probably about on par with Miami Vice for me, even though I had Miami Vice uh, at nine. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't counter really anything you guys said. I think that's pretty accurate. The part about having, you know, I think Bale and uh, Depp both do a good job, but not neither of them like really like win the movie I yeah guess. there's yeah. some beautiful cinematography and some interesting shootouts and stuff but yeah like you come to expect that from man but like also you could just go watch a better one <laughs> um the old-timey guns were kind of cool i don't know anything uh-huh. about guns but you don't see those uh, it was cool um most i don't know i might be wrong on this but most modern movies seem like they used digital shooting 
with guns or digital ammo. Like they don't actually use blanks anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, this one seemed like it, well, it looked pretty uh, realistic, but I don't know. I can think of one guy who wishes they didn't use blanks anymore. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Killed that lady. He's a murderer. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on. Okay. I got, if I'm looking at my number eight was black hat. We've already talked about black hat enough. Yeah. Um, Giordano, you got, Ooh. uh, you and, and cool me. Frazier, you guys are like simpatico. You guys, yeah, we're both the same. Have, you guys both have, um, the insider as your number eight. Oh man. Yeah. Where to begin with the insider? Um, the insider is a movie. What's it about? That is about, um, it's about big tobacco, about a guy who worked for big tobacco and then resigned or got fired or left the job and then report, he told his story to reporter at 60 minutes about how cigarettes are bad and that this made earth shattering headline news in like 1996 or what were maybe not. Yeah. Maybe that when the movie came out, the the events happened in ninety three. The ninety three. Okay, the movie came, came out like two 96. years, at, two or three years after. Okay, yeah. and about how this guy was harassed for spilling the beans about how tobacco is bad for you, and how he really needed his health benefits because his daughter had asthma, <laughs> and that this was a huge deal, and um, yeah. And it was um, never really explained why he couldn't get another job. Like, Cause he's like, Oh yeah. Top executive at all these pharma companies and then a tobacco company. And it's like, you can't like go back to a pharma company, yeah. I guess you guys are, you guys are hating on the insider, but that's because you're, you're both funded by big tobacco. <laughs> Actually speaking of which watching the manosphere, I really think cigarettes are cool. And so like other than insider, all of them make smoking seem really cool. Yeah, if the goal of the insider was to make me sympathetic to big tobacco and want to take up smoking, then it was a huge success. You guys should yeah. introduce me to your, uh, to your guys at, philip morris and they should sponsor the show <laughs> are um, we allowed to do advertisements for tobacco or it's like no and i think it's because of like this movie because of like the 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 downstream effects well, of like that they're not testimony. allowed to advertise but what if i just like the real cool taste of a nice menthol uh camel <laughs> buy them today kids they're delicious um i was watching this movie and Al Pacino at one point is like screaming at some guy talking about how, you know, you know who you're talking to? I'm I'm the guy from six I'm I'm a producer for sixty minutes. That's the highest rated, most respected TV magazine news show in America. I started laughing out loud because I'm like, mm-hmm. You were this is sixty minutes. It's like it's such a joke and um I already and speaking of self, and, yeah. self-serious. Like this yeah. is the most self-serious. Well, okay, okay, but here's the thing. But, those shows mattered a lot in the nineties. I, I agree. I, I agree. They did matter a lot, which was embarrassing, but yeah, this made a lot more sense when I figured out that apparently what Michael Mann did prior to making movies was he worked for the competitor to 60 minutes, making like films for them to show like no. as part of their, their thing. Like, so he worked to doing like news stories like for, for like for, day, hard for, for television. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's how, and he was IRL friends with the Al Pacino character. And 
and to the movie's credit, it does it it it, it paints the tobacco company as a, you know a bunch of psychotic lunatics, but then it also kind of shows the the journos are also just as bad and um mm-hmm. they're also a bunch of spineless um yeah 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 it was um, kind of two yeah. movies right it's kind of yeah the first like first half or or roughly you know there's the tobacco stuff and then there's the internal mm-hmm. 60 minutes politics network television politics stuff so you kind of get two two movies for the I, price of the, for the length of two movies. So. <laughs> um, one one the, thing I wanted to bring up was yeah, the yeah. they try to like make it super dramatic. So like they try to make you think like someone's actually trying to get the guy, like other than like legal threats that he got from the tobacco companies. Like he keeps thinking there's someone in the backyard. And they never really say whether or not that actually happened. But then at one point the wife gets an email and it's a red email <laughs> with giant black text that just says, We're gonna kill you. And I'm like, man, that would have been like the scariest thing to get an email in nineteen ninety three that says we're gonna kill you. But like now that's just like par for the course. <laughs> I get that every day when I I log on yeah. Twitter, it's nothing. Like um, death yeah. threats online, like that's normal. Yeah, Giordano writes a thread about adoption, and people are sending <laughs> threats. I was threatened with castration. Yeah, or so. he did his Indiana Jones thread, and people threatened to kill him. <laughs> people, people threatened to firebomb my house because I said Indiana Jones was Mormon. So, um, the guy, like the guy, got a job. He, he's this real, brilliant guy, Russell Crowe. Goes to work for Big Tobacco. And then he realizes, gee, it sure is bad that we're addicting people to cigarettes. And then he quits and cries about it. And I don't, I have no sympathy for him. He goes and somehow like goes and walks into a high school and gets a job as a chemistry and Japanese teacher, which as a uh, public, as a high school teacher, I'm just wondering like, dude, how do you take on I don't know if it was like the middle of the school year or what, but you're teaching Japanese and chemistry. That seems like a big workload. And um, (laughs) that seems like a lot. And Uh, I just didn't get it. And then all this, because he needed to get health insurance for his daughter. I was like, well, just go get another job. Or I think, yeah, yeah, for the, the stuff around the actual, um, this is nothing to do with the movie, right? This is just me complaining about the story. They, I think they have to do goofy stuff or they chose to do goofy stuff with the Russell Crowe character to make it, to try and make it make sense within a movie context. Yeah. But you're, you're right. If you were an executive at a tobacco company and he's a scientist, right? So he could, yeah, PhD. He, could, he could just go work at Dow chemical or something. He could just go be an executive at another chemical company. Yeah. Well, um, he became a teacher. Yeah. He won teacher of the year. Uh, right. Um, if, if the movie's to be believed. And I think, and I think that that part that is true. But I think in real life, he's also gone on to like make a bunch of money doing other. Yeah, things. Yeah, he's just a consultant now. Yeah, and uh, also, I I thought the the they, they don't really like. There's no time, right? Like the movie's already long, and they can't like get into all this. But they, his wife, like handles the stress test of her, her husband losing his job like very poorly. Like she she just like immediately <laughs> is stressed out and just leaves him basically can i talk about women in michael mann films yeah <laughs> they all kind of suck and they're just kind of like baggage the the main characters have to drag along and they're like come on get with yes. the program yes there's like one or two exceptions to this what we haven't talked about yet but yes this is very yeah. true 
I like it though. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, th- but the insider, I, I actually, uh, the insider is number five for me. Mm. Um, yeah. It's outside the top tier. It's not, so my top four, I think are like excellent movies. Insider's not in that top tier, but it's, uh, I think it's pretty good. It's like, it's a very nineties, like Oscar bait movie um with Pacino doing like these very self-righteous like you know he's, he's screaming at the people who work at CBS and stuff and and I do actually appreciate how much like you know we have people now like in 2023 and stuff we have people who still like don't believe the media manipulates like the output of information mm-hmm. and it's like you know I mean you don't have to listen yeah. to us like just go like even mainstream libtards like al pacino will do will reenact this stuff for you like yeah you don't have to well i i totally agree that like i get why it won oscars or got nominated at least it's really well made everyone's acting like top notch it's just like giordano was saying it's kind of just the story is kind of just dumb and boring and there's not a lot to it so it's like you know he did like probably the best version of that story you can do. So like more power to him, but like, it's just like, eh, it's just, um, I, I wrote in my notes. This is like, if man accepted a challenge to see if he could elevate the most mundane material, which is what he often, he always does this. He's so mm-hmm. good at it. We have Russell Crowe talking about how the asthma attack vaporizer works. And mm. Uncle Ben's instant rice, and how he has to go out to to the store to go buy some soy sauce. It's like these are oh, lines. Yeah, these are like lines I never would have expected in like such a serious, heavy material. My, my favorite part <laughs> is when he's uh, he's eating dinner with his family, and he he's eating rice, and he runs out of rice, so he stands up and goes to the stove to get more rice. He notices at that point that his wife used instant rice, and he's mad. But like he was just eating instant rice, like you couldn't tell, dude. Like, why do you care? He's like, oh, instant rice, honey, really? He's like, I need to go get some soy sauce, and but it still looks great and it sounds great and looks awesome. But um, it's like it, I don't know what it, I, I just would have loved to have. He should remake this. I would love to see Michael Mann do this because we have a. Um, Sorry, Mike Wallace. We have like a fictionalized yeah. version of Mike Wallace played by Christopher Plummer, I think. And he was good. I like I like He him. was he was so good, wasn't he? And I would love to see like a modern, you know, can you imagine them doing this to journos today like a Don Lemon character or uh or or like them investigating Pfizer or something like that? Like I just can't even imagine a movie like Wait, this. Wait, don't made. say anymore. Don't say anymore. That'll get me uh, kicked off YouTube. I meant to say <laughs> investigating um, I, I can't even, yeah, because Support, the, um, maybe they'll do a movie in two years supporting Pfizer. Yes, for all exactly. Good work Debunking all of those time. crazy conspiracy he, theories. He should do the Fauci movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In which he says Fauci's good and cool. And yeah. we like Fauci. Yeah, and Al, Al Pacino plays Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling oh, me yeah. we don't have a vaccine yet. <laughs> That's my Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So I, I rewatched I rewatched this one just just for Pacino because you know I did I don't like him in Heat so I wanted to see if he if he could tone it down and I I like him better in in The Insider mm. he's he's 
<laughs> even keeled. <laughs> yeah, he's actually like fairly likable as a character. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty cool. He makes uh, being a, a TV journalist seem about as cool as it can seem. The the real life version of him, the guy he's playing, is like a, uh, I don't know. Well, people can look into it. He's he's a little more of a goofball. Mm. Um, let's uh, let's move on. Let's see what's next. Um, all right, we got for me number six, Ollie. We've talked about that enough. We've talked about Miami Vice enough. Um, okay, now we are at Giordano. Mm. You got um, uh, Thief at number five. Mm-hmm. That's um, you're out of. St- Step. Well, no, no. You yeah. and Aldo both have it at five. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah. both number fives. We're the we disagree on Thief. Me All and thief. Granite okay. are now on the so same team. Tell Again. tell us Giordano and Aldo. Yeah. Tell us why Thief does not belong in like the one or two spot. Um, you know, this is a personal preference, really, uh, because it probably could be ar- successfully argued to be in the top one or two. Um, Thief is one that I discovered uh, I just it was a I, I like to occasionally buy um, Criterion DVDs Criterion Blu-rays and I saw that this was the only Michael Mann movie that they had and I didn't know I'd never seen it so I just did a blind buy and bought it and watched it and I was just like really blown away I loved it I loved um, James Kahn I mean just it was just awesome I just like to hang out with James Kahn basically the, he's the the protagonist, uh, the main actor who plays the protagonist in Thief. Um, very '80s, cool synthwave soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool, like masculine themes. Very, and this is a recurring theme of Michael Mann movies: is uh, families, men attempting to preserve broken families, or families that are about to be broken apart, and men trying to like straddle the line of their work and family and trying to like hold everything all together. So I really liked it. It's, I don't, it's only a number five purely because it's not one that I rewatch as much. And, um, and that's really, that's really the only reason why it's, it's not higher for me. I put the highest ones on my list just because I, I could rewatch them over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Although what's, uh, what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah, similar for me with uh, rewatchability. I mean, I, although I've only seen Thief for the first time for this show, so. Um, but what is it? If Thief to me feels like a dress rehearsal for Heat. Mm. Um, he explores a lot of the theme, the same themes, and I think he does it a little better in Heat. Um, James Conn's great. Like the acting's great. Um, the 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 mood the you know having the streets wet all the time like all that stuff is that that kind of attention to detail is great, um, but some of it I don't know I think he's just not quite polished yet. Um, so some of the things like the breaking into the safe scene just dragging on forever. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, sorry, you mean like the best scene? Yeah, the, the yeah, best one. Yeah. The, the most awesome scene. When you feel like yeah. you're going to start on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that's okay. That's one thing that's great about it. Um, the real tools, uh-huh. know, the real weight that they're lugging around. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a manly movie. Um, 
yeah, it's just, just, I like other ones better. So that's, so it drops I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, I'm glad you brought up the tools. He, I think he mentions and cool Fraser could correct me, I think, but I think he mentions like the, the tool, like the props for the movie were just like what some actual criminal used or some, yeah. like they just yeah. like, he had consultants of criminals and cops and like they, he sat them in a room together and they'd like tell stories and that's where he got like a lot of the ideas from. I, and I like, think some of the some actual of, tool belts and yeah. stuff are the actual bad, like real life bad guys. Yeah. So like <laughs> some of the actors are real life criminals and like some and of the them went to prison right. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. The Italian or Puerto Rican sergeant. <laughs> um, also, can we, can we talk about the really awkward, a Willie Nelson prison visit? <laughs> Like, See, I liked it. I liked <laughs> Willie Nelson in it, and I felt like he was like a good character. Yeah, <laughs> and like was... it didn't bug me that Willie Nelson was in it. Like it didn't seem like, oh, let's just throw Willie Nelson in there. It kind of like I was like, wow, this is like a subdued Willie Nelson. Yeah, it's funny because they don't have him do any Willie Nelson things. He's he That's doesn't true. like he doesn't like go country mode. He doesn't, he doesn't smoke weed. Like, yeah, he's he's not some stoner or something. He's just like. It's just some old guy. Like it's kind of funny. He looks like um. There was a meme, or maybe one of you shared of there's like a photo of Willie Nelson hanging out with Neil Young, and they're like, yeah, uh, picture day was always great for the school bus drivers, and because <laughs> they just look like uh, two school bus drivers. So I felt like just <laughs> Willie Nelson looked looked like a guy who would just be in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, <laughs> am I allowed to mount a defense yet? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're, spoil my, where I have thief or not. Yeah. Yet. Go for yeah. it. So, you go for it. so I'm the only one who has thief at number one and mm-hmm. everybody else has the same movie at number one mm-hmm. yet to be announced. <laughs> and for me, this is his first movie. And I agree that his future movies are more polished, but for a debut movie, it's like super crisp like it's there's like so much that went into it and like you can really feel the realism and then also this was just a recommendation from granite one day he's like have any of you seen thief and i was like no i'll check it out though and so i was expecting okay 1981 james con uh gangster movie it's gonna be like lame bad punches where like you throw a punch and three seconds later the guy goes flying (laughs) and like endless clips and guns where they're shooting like Mm -hmm. a six shooter and it's just got like 20 bullets in it and but then like it's hyper realistic and like he does like magazine changes uh all the fight scenes are like super real and like apparently like james con like they had to tell him to like calm down sometimes because he would like actually push these guys and like he said in an interview like where he pushes this guy as he's walking to his car after he drags the the waitress out of the the bar or whatever that he told him to meet at he's like forcing her to go on a date with him which is funny and then he, he like pushes a guy and he's like i pushed this guy who's like six four i thought i was afraid but i i just like pushed him really hard and he like fell over and, <laughs> and like um so so like it's definitely a schmood as well like super good good cinematography um really cool like lighting and 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 once again compared to movies you watch nowadays it just looks so crisp and real and like in the frame and also i appreciate kind of how simplistic it is like it is a very simple story but it does encapsulate like all the themes that he carries out through like future movies where it's like the law versus uh the criminal and then like the criminal having to live by a code and like 
make decisions according to it and things like that. And, uh, but yeah, I just loved everything in it. And um, so, yeah, I put it at number one. Yeah. And I had it at number two. Um, and the only thing, I mean, cool Frazier mentioned, started to talk about it, but the only big major thing he kind of left out is the, the romance in the movie is very funny. Um, and well, and it's, it's done several times. Like it's done in heat. It's done in, in collateral Mm -hmm. somewhat. Mm -hmm. It's done in like a lot of the movies, Mm -hmm. but yeah, go ahead. If granted, if you want to, yeah, I mean, he just like, he, uh, that's kind of this um, pretty famous scene, I guess, you know, where he grabs this girl, he arranged to go on a date with her and he shows up late and she's mad. Cause and he's doing he, crime stuff. Yeah. He, he drags her by the arm, takes her out to a diner and like on the way to the They're diner, like he's just, with each other, like yelling at each other. And then he's like, well, are we going to do this romance or what? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and he, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't have much time. You don't have much time. Like, let's get on with this. Let's get a baby, all that stuff. Like, um, you know, some of our incels could learn a thing or two. From yeah, he's like, you're, t-, and she's like, I'm too old to have kids, and and she's 38. <laughs> it's uh, and one of you pointed out that it's the the wife from Falling Down from yeah, uh, yeah, not, not 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 Michael Douglas's wife, and she was a child uh, actress in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, Very Robert pretty. Duvall's wife, Robert Duvall's wife, who I've seen Falling Down like a hundred times. So, Tuesday Weld. Yes, yes. Very pretty actress. Um, and I thought I loved her in this. She was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. she was perfect. Like the casting is perfect. Like we mentioned Leo, the crime boss. It was his first role. And he like is so good at being like a happy, nice grandpa, then like transitioning into like the devil <laughs> and like a super violent presence. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, I don't know, James Caan is like, perfectly embodies that role and he says it's his best role he's ever done and like um all the cops are really cool all the criminals and and uh jim belushi's first uh debut role um and also the other thing was the the safe cracking scene at the beginning apparently um james con just did it they gave him the drill and they had taught him how to do it and he did it literally. And so like he, at one point he grabs out a hammer and a, like a chisel and just kind of bangs it. And he, he said he, it was supposed to open before that, but it didn't. So he, he just improvised that and they just <laughs> kept filming and he just bangs on it and the safe safe opened up. And uh, similarly, the other scene with the magnesium rod that they like just got an actual safe and an actual magnesium rod and, and did it. Amazing. So like they, they did it for real, which it, it like, yeah. Once again, like it, it, it's an expectations thing because compared to movies today, like you just wouldn't see that. Like that would be CG a hundred percent of the time, right? Yeah. But yeah. like they actually did it, and it it just feels so much more cinematic because of it. Yeah, yeah. This I think, um, it, you know, Thief is not by no means is Thief like an unheralded movie. Like lot, you know, lots of people <laughs> know about it. It's been it's widely praised and recognized, but at the same time you know, typical thirties guy, guy in his thirties. I mean, hasn't seen it. Most, well, you know, and most, I hadn't, and I hadn't heard of it even. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it's like a, it, it, it's the official like position of this podcast. It's like a must watch. It's like a, yeah. it is a, it's a not optional. Yeah. Mm. It's a, it's a, a essential dude, bro viewing. 
Did you watch it on? Was it? Is it on any streaming service? Uh, I don't think so. I think it is. A, it's on. Uh, oh. It's on Freevee through Amazon uh, Prime. Well, would it would it also be on the Criterion like streaming service? Too? It very well could be. Although their streaming is different from their physical stuff. Sometimes I think that's an issue. Of sometimes with um, all the movies we're discussing, is sometimes harder to just to access. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, it, let's. Th- wait, oh, yeah. one more thing. So it was mentioned that Thief is kind of like mini Heat or like the prelude to Heat mm-hmm. in its themes. Like they're very kind of similar in, in ideas, mm-hmm. other than Heat kind of has a more um, fully formed and uh, not antagonist, but, but law side of the coin um, yeah. guy. And, um, but yeah, so the reason I rank Thief higher than Heat is I just really felt like there was like nothing missing from it and it and it was very like minimalistic which i'm just personally a fan of yeah it it is really pretty incredible for a first movie and for 1981 mm-hmm. um okay jumping back uh i'm now on uh, my number 4 which and mine. was uh yeah me and uh cool fraser have the same number 4 which is number 3 for Giordano and aldo so we mm. we we basically agreed Start on this meeting on the, up here. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it clustered at the top here. Um, it's collateral, uh, number four, which, uh, you know, a lot of, pe- a lot of people have seen collateral Tom Cruise doing his, like being a bad guy. He's really pretty good at being a bad guy. Very creepy. Jamie Foxx being like a bumbling, a bumbling taxi driver. And he's really pretty good at that. Um, and it's just like a, it's a nice tight, self-contained story that's a little weird a little unusual but it just totally works Mm -hmm. and it's kind of very philosophical it's like about like nihilism versus uh, something else (laughs) uh, yeah yeah, you get a lot of that like that sort of like i mean it's not this isn't heavy philosophy but it's the kind of stuff you get from like the joker in the batman movies or uh anton chigurh in the uh in no country for old men just like this uh like this menacing presence and it's like you have to he makes you make decisions all the time and like what what are you going to do what are you going to do when someone's just like trying to make you do things well and so um one real quick mention is the movie he made he made a tv movie before making heat that was called the jericho mile which it was filmed in um what's the prison Folsom prison um like and they had like actual criminals being the actors and stuff and so from that experience he realized that these uh criminals like hardened criminals aren't just like evil bad guys but they're just kind of like people and he also learned that like a lot of them like become very philosophical because they have to like confront their own humanity and like what is the purpose of life if you're trapped in a jail cell and so like that's kind of what inspired heat to a certain extent because the protagonist had just gotten out of prison and was like trying to make his life. And then in um, collateral as well, you've got another criminal who's got like this moral code he's come up with from like philosophy and his just happens to be like, I don't know, some kind of Buddhist nihilism where like nothing really matters. And, uh, and then he, you know, is, has this counterpoint in Jamie Foxx, but yeah. So like, there's more than just like a Tom Cruise action movie happening, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Giordano and Aldo, you had, you know, even one spot higher. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, for for me, um, it's it's one I've come back to. Um, I think it's an interesting um, interesting take on Los Angeles uh, as far as the way that that city is filmed. You know, it's filmed so much, um, especially with the HD, the the, the way it was lit, um, you know, that artificial nighttime light. Um, yeah, just good good uh, performances, some good some good shooting and uh, some good moral conundrums. I think it's it's worth a watch for certainly. Oh yeah, and I'll, I'll even I'll like double down. It's like uh, again, if you're like if you're the kind of person who's like, what's a cool movie? Like, what is a cool movie I should be watching? Like, you got to watch Collateral. You got to see it. Yeah. It's like just solid. Tom, if you like, they made Tom yeah. Cruise learn how to shoot, um, and also. Um, he had to do a bunch of like martial arts and stuff and like they, they rehearsed all the action scenes months in advance. It's a shame. We never got another, um, Tom Cruise, Michael Mann thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were good together. They, um, as, uh, Aldo was kind of saying, uh, it's one I also have kind of gone back to more than other, more than others on the list. Um, I don't know if it's just a nostalgia thing because I did watch it in college but I just, there's something really um, cozy about it. <laughs> and uh, it's just cool, like, as, as has been said. Um, this isn't a spoiler, but the movie takes place on a much shorter um, time span than all the other films. Mm-hmm. So this all takes place in the course of one, one night. night, which is, I, I love stuff like that. And um, it's all at night. It has a sort of neo-noir Feel, uh, feel to it because of the Los Angeles backdrop, but also just like Michael Mann loves doing this, finding interesting, weird places that I've like. There's a scene in, in the film where they go to like this Mexican gangster cowboy bar, mm-hmm. and it's like nothing I've ever seen. I've never experienced anything like that. I've never seen anything like that in a movie, but it looked real and authentic. It was kind of menacing but it was also really cool. And it's just like stuff that you don't see in, in typical movies. And uh, I'll mention this. I had mentioned this in the chat. Um, this was one that like, I, when I turned it on, my wife was really into it and my wife loved the movie and she said she wanted to watch it again sometime. So there's a few that I think is, it's because there's a, um, there's a sort of a, uh, there's a, a love, sort of a love story, a light love story in this. And there's a female character and, um, vulnerable female character, so maybe she was into that, or I, she probably just liked Tom Cruise. But there's uh, this one, and actually, you know what? I should bring up too. She asked when I told her I was watching all the Michael Manns. She she said, "Oh, did we get to watch Miami Vice?" She wanted to watch Miami Vice again. So hmm. it's one that the ladies like because of all the hot men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the main the main thing for Collateral is just, and I think everyone sort of touched on it, is the rewatchability, and then yeah, mm-hmm. and it's and and just the watchability. You can sit any like yeah, uh, you can sit any like fourteen year old boy for sure. Yeah, for, any fourteen year old boy and older is gonna like be hooked. Like that, yes. you know, the first ten minutes or something. Uh huh. Yeah, I think I, I was sixteen them. when it came out, and I saw it in theaters, and I was like, this was a cool movie. Yeah. Um, also Michael (laughs) Mann's dad owned a cab company and his first job was driving cabs for his dad's cab company. So that's where this story came from. Autobiographical. Mm. Mm. And Jordan, it's kind of funny. You said it was kind of cozy and it's kind of 
funny at, at the first blush, but it really is like anyone who's worked like a night shift or something, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, you, you can relate to, to the Jamie Foxx character, yeah. um, you know, driving that cab in the middle and, of the night. Yeah. And there's kind of this, like, you don't even know what time it is or yeah, like how much also, time has yeah. passed. Yeah. 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 Really appealing. Um, so next up, we all kind of inverted our, our selections on this one. Um, this is my number three, Cool Frazier's number three, and then Jordano and Aldo have it at number four. So you know, it's all kind of the same at this point. But uh, the next one is Manhunter, mm-hmm. which for people who don't know, and I think a lot of people don't really know about Manhunter, even though yeah. it, it was, I think it was reasonably successful at the time. But so before Silence of the Lambs, there was Manhunter, which is... Uh, someone can correct me, but it's based on, it's not based on the same book, right? But it's not part of the same book series. Yeah. Yeah. The Red Dragon. Red Dragon is the book and it's based on that. Yeah. But he took some liberties based off of a, a, he, he corresponded with a serial killer that kind of took over the character of, um, what's his name? The the, Hannibal Lecter. No, not Hannibal, but the other guy, uh, the, yeah. Oh, the creepy Tom tall guy. Noonan guy. Yeah, Tom guy Noonan. Played by Tom Noonan. I'll get the name in a second. Uh, Dollar Hyde, Francis Dollar. Dollar Hyde, yes. Yeah, so he he kind of changed the characterization a bit from the the novel to to fit more this other guy that that was real. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing to know about this one and this one. Um, I have like I have it ranked higher than Collateral just by you know one spot. I probably probably don't recommend it as aggressively because it's a little more it's a it's darker it's a little weirder. Um, Although being a movie about <clears throat> serial killers, it never shows the serial killing of the families. It shows the uh, planning of and then the direct aftermath that the cop sees, but you never actually see the killings, which is like a really That's interesting true. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say, I would say this one is a little less accessible than, than collateral, but, um, but if yeah, it's sort of things down up your alley, then it's a, uh, it's a, it's a good watch. It's um yeah, this is less normie friendly and more artsy. Yeah. Than, than collateral. Which is There's why a, I have it higher, but I could understand why you <laughs> yes. might put it lower because of that as well. Yeah, there's at least a few scenes that are where you know the main guy, played by William Peterson, who is was he's the CSI guy, right? Um, yeah, and I knew him as the CSI guy only, and then I saw this and I'm like, who's this actor? He's really good. And then I was like, it's the CSI guy. <laughs> yeah, there's there's more than a few scenes where he's like uh contemplatively looking out on the water or and the where there's drowning synth and stuff like that. It's a it's a a lot of this like um oh I don't know what you'd say like just like heavy imagery and heavy sound um you know to uh to put you in his shoes I guess of like being stressed out and being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the normie access point for this one is the subsequent Silence of the Lambs movies that are much yeah. more popular. So if you if you're into those, um, like if you like Red Dragon in particular, you're gonna want to see this because it's it's another take on it and it's and it came first. Yeah, I didn't even know about this till a couple years ago. So um, William Peterson, as was mentioned, was I don't I, I never watched CSI, 
So I looked because I he was so good, and I thought he was a, he did a, such a great job as an actor. So I went to IMDb to see like, okay, what are some other William Peterson movies? And then there was just like forty different versions of CSI that he's been. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of CSI, there's like some great '80s CSI stuff, which is like really cool to see, in my opinion. Like they they how those they '80s the... CSI. Well, like they they do like the fingerprint stuff and the oh the, you mean in this movie in this movie yeah yes, yeah yes, yeah yes oh yeah like, it was cool. the CSI show but like yeah they do like the crime scene investigation stuff but like in the eighties with like really cool cinematography yeah and um uh also one reason you would want to watch this movie is the Inagata Davida end scene <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. or like. That, that, that song is just so good in it. It's cool. Yeah, it's really, it's intense. It's weird. Um, good use of music and light and stuff. It's cool. Um, this has one of the female characters that I had alluded to where um, I thought going against the typical Michael Mann stuff, there's William Peterson's uh, wife um, played by Kim Greist, whom mm-hmm. I only know her from, She's in a movie uh, called Brazil, which mm. is a Terry Gilliam movie, which is, I think, literally my favorite movie of all time. Mm. Um, but she's uh, she's in this, and she plays like this super supportive, mm. awesome, really nice wife who like doesn't threaten to leave her husband at any point and doesn't threaten to break up the marriage. Yeah, which is like so different from usually you see like traumatized cops and. And there's always like their marriages on the rocks or something, but like she seemed really nice. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so that hopefully that's not a spoiler, but um, no, that's I mean that's fine. And not like one, not like Pacino's wife and he. Right. right one, right. Once again, this movie has the theme of kind of the the um, outlaw versus the lawman, and how they're kind of like two sides of the same coin with Hannibal Lecter and the Will Graham character. Hannibal Lecter in this one played by Brian Cox. And then it also has that kind of wild card guy in the dollar hide. Who's kind of like just a force of nature. And like, he seems like it just cause he's like, he's like six, eight or something. Right. Th- that guy has actually scared me. Yeah. yeah like he's like <laughs> scary, just his presence and like, yes, but, but also like how they show him in like that weird tiger scene with the blind lady, like, Mm-hmm. There's there's like some weird stuff going on. <laughs> Great scene. That is a, that's that tiger scene was amazing. Because yeah. I was thinking like how do you? Because that's another thing they would never film that today. They would never go through the trouble of getting uh-uh. a tiger, a real tiger. It would be a CGI well, tiger. They did for the for the kind of remake. Oh, they, they worked yeah. around that. Okay, I was going to say because they remade this as Red Dragon mm-hmm. uh, a few well years ago now, but um, I wondered if they kept that scene in or if. How, how much of it was the same, yeah. But I have never, I've never there, seen but, it. Yeah, But I think they shot it in such a way that, you know, the close-up is of the, the side of the tiger when she's touching it, so they don't need a real one there. And it was I genuinely think, scary. Around it. Yeah. Yeah, um, but so, also, like, he, th- that's like, he's like the force of nature, right? He's like the wild tiger in yeah. the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are so many, um, as has been said, uh, it is weird. And that's why I ranked it so high because I know that I actually only watched it for the first time last night. Um, Uh And so I had never seen anything quite like it. It was strange, off-putting, but also really fascinating. And uh, I I know that I'll watch it again 
and that there's enough weirdness in it that it would warrant multiple views. So I, I really and, liked and it. And really beautiful as well with like use of colors and kind of the oh, yes. stark white of the, the Hannibal Lecter yeah. room. And then like, there's like a lot of greens and um, yeah, it, it really had yeah. that. It does. Like I was talking about the vaporwave aesthetic. Yeah. Before, but this like really elevates it to, to high art. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, and if I you like want to if you want to immerse yourself in in a kind of an unusual 80s vibe, this is a uh, Manhunter is for you. And and I think this probably does the best of kind of showing the toll of like other than maybe heat, but I think this even more so like shows the toll of of crime fighting on the crime fighter, right? Which yeah. is kind of a thing he does a lot. But this one I think like really captures that and you like you it like like you feel like the guy you're almost like disoriented and like, you know, you're losing your mind along with him. So, yeah. And Haas, I'm sure you noticed this, but, um, the Chris Elliott acting moment, the, do you know the, uh, the comedian, Chris Elliott, who was like on SNL and then oh, yeah, yeah. cabin boy, cabin, which boy, one was right. he? Oh yeah. This guy, <laughs> he was just, um, Oh yeah. He had like a small little cameo. Yes. 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 Working, uh, for the cops, I think, or he was in part, one of the investigators. Anyway, That's funny. Uh, I didn't remember it's funny that. to see him in that. Oh, and also, um, who comes back later in Insider as his new version, Stephen Lang as kind of an effeminate gay boy, <laughs> where he's like the most macho guy to live in Avatar, right? Which we reviewed oh, last yeah. time. Shout out to that episode with Giordano and Dan. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stephen Lang, the the grizzly. Uh, scarred up, uh, yeah. grizzled Vietnam vet uh, avatar guy in this Double plays like an effeminate gay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. journalist. Yeah. Yeah, we call that range. No, like, <laughs> I didn't know it was him. I was like, wait, that's Stephen Lang? Like, yeah, he's got I, a, I looked he's at the cast zoomer. and I'm like, Stephen Lang's in here? He's got a zoomer perm. Yeah, he's like yes, a gay zoomer perm guy. And then, like, then he's back in Insider, or not Insider, in Public Enemies as uh, the, the, the cop. The G-Man, right? Yeah, yeah who's there at the end. Man. Yeah. Um, Haas had mentioned that they never show serial, the serial killer in this, but there is an entire scene in an 80s supermarket serial aisle where they're ah. walking down an aisle, <laughs> and it shows every eight. So if you want I to be transported that. back to the 80s, you can see every 80s serial. It's like in- yeah, there you go, Zoomers. You got to watch this for the cereal boxes. <laughs> okay, so we. I'm going to jump now to. Uh, I'm going to have Giordano and Aldo make your case for why, if someone hasn't seen mm. Last of the Mohicans, why they must see Last of the Mohicans. Wow. Um, my thoughts on Last of the Mohicans. It's kind of been said. I. I always was aware of this movie. Um, growing up a uh, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, many of my more religious friends um, would shun or refuse to watch R-rated movies. However, I don't know why, but The Last of the Mohicans had like this R-movie pass. Like it was yeah. kind of okay. <laughs> Historical epics get an R-movie pass it, it was, in it was, our religion. Right. It was, you know, you could watch Braveheart. I remember The Last Samurai was also kind of considered okay. Um, and uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, Ryan, yeah, yeah. Um, the Matrix, another historical epic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Like, so, but I had never actually seen it. I was only familiar with uh, the soundtrack, which was also a very popular missionary soundtrack, at least in, in when I served my mission, it got passed around quite a lot. And I, I thought the soundtrack was wonderful. I loved it. Um, yeah. I had, I had never seen it for years and years. Uh, I didn't watch it until actually after I had gotten married. And I think actually the first time I watched it, I fell asleep in it because I was bored and I wasn't into it. And I watched it a second time and uh, a couple of years later and was just fully enthralled. And then I watched it a third time, I think uh, two years ago. And it was just, I mean, it was just like amazing that, that, so it took three times for me to, to, well, no, maybe two times for me to really get into it. Maybe I had to be a little bit older. I don't know, but I think it does have kind of like a slow buildup. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, not to because now we're talking about why it's good, but I think it does kind of build up slowly. I think it's worth it to watch through to the end. But oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's one of those, like, as I said before, it's a historical epic. It doesn't even attempt to try to hit you over the head with uh, with agendas or anything political. It just has a sort of a depiction of reality. And I almost forget that I'm watching a movie when I'm watching it because it just, I just feel like I'm experiencing this story and, um, it's uncompromising. It's, it's so funny. One of you, did one of you say this or was it granite? You said it's a movie for moms and dads or something because I put <laughs> yeah, in, that's, I mean, that's how I think of thought of it. I yeah. put in my notes, this is movies for grownups. And, and I had the same <laughs> exact thought and, yeah. um, it, I, my my reason that I really love it is, um, you know, I, I'm Italian and, and French, so I'm I'm very mad at heart, and uh, I love the the romantic part of it, and it's this movie was I thought um, man's most romantic film, extremely yeah beautiful and romantic, and the passion that is felt is so amazing. It's it's like the one point the the female Cora. Uh, the the female actress Madeline Stowe Madeline Stowe thank you she I, I love her she's beautiful and um she and is have this just sort of star crossed ill fated uh, romance with Hawkeye um, everything kind of goes wrong things build up and spiral out of control and it's like I, I don't know it it, just, it it captures the feelings of the passions of of young love or first love or when you love but you don't really have things going the way that you want them to go and you're caught up in in things that are beyond your control and at one point she says something like um it feels as if the whole world is on fire and there's all this mm-hmm. stuff raging around them and i just like love that so much when i watched it and i think there's only one kiss in the entire film um that i recall because i remember watching it and thinking they don't even there's no sex scenes or anything in it. There's just uh, they they slip away. I don't know how much they. I don't remember I don't, how. Yeah, in the fort. Uh, yeah, they, I don't think they actually depict them um, banging like Michael Mann. Maybe, maybe in the director's cut. When they do, though, it plays 1930s music. It starts playing ragtime jazz, which really yeah. gets you. In. Come on, my baby. Come on, my darling. Come on, my ragtime so. gal. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that's why I love it. I mean, it's just uh, it's just like it's it's monumental. It's towering. Mm-hmm. Um, any additional thoughts, Aldo? Yeah, yeah, I, I love everything Jordana said about it. Uh, I agree. Uh, I love it. It's it's a western, you know. It's a, a western in a very green place, mm-hmm. but it's the frontier. It's got you know cowboys and Indians. Essentially, you've got 
Hawkeye, who is a white man living with the Indians. Um, I love the, the chivalry of it between the, the British and the French. So it's in the French and Indian War. So if you like colonial era movies, um, you know, if you like The Patriot, it's better than The Patriot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what else? Yeah, the, the romance is a great aspect. I think that's a, a theme over and over with, with Michael Mann movies. He, he likes the whirlwind romance. The, yes. He doesn't like the characters don't waste any time, right? It's love at first sight, or at least um, yeah, I think he's a decision to love at first. He's sight. one of the best at depicting romance, like yeah. just because it's it's not like logical or yeah. anything. It's just kind of like we're doing this, like yeah, yeah. yeah there's um, there's also I don't think anyone's mentioned yet, but Daniel Day Lewis. This is where he got. This is where he built that reputation for being a freak, where he like you know does the character thing, where he lives as character. You know, I think he walked around, you know, he walked around in that, those clothes for, you know, the entire filming of the movie and all that. This is crazy because I always associated him with this film. And then this past summer, I watched um, A Room with a View, which was another historical piece starring Daniel Day-Lewis, where he plays this dandy fop. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Anyway, he just plays a total dork. (coughs) Sorry. Yeah, and <laughs> um, anyway, he plays this like this total dork loser, and power I was through, like, "Power through, power through, Giordano." <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not editing this. <laughs> <laughs> this is all staying in, okay? Anyway, it was just a funny departure because I always associated him as like the coolest, manliest, hottest yeah. man of all time. Because he but, is like the best guy in the world in this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's a what would you Long call Long Carbine? He's like a Mary Sue kind of. No, but he, you know, he he learned the Indian ways, and he's got the white man uh, aim with the the long carbine. <laughs> he's, um, got the, he's got the white mind. <laughs> but uh, and then you got Chingachgook. Yeah, that that's a good name. And then uh, so so uh, one more thing on this. Uh, once again, black robe shout out. I was, ex- I was like, can this be better than black robe? And it's not, unfortunately, but it's not even better than black hat on my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not better than black hat for, for cool, you. Frazier, but- Frazier, you keep talking about black robe, but like, I forgot if this is a real movie or like a spoof of a movie. <laughs> You'll just something. have to find out. You'll just have okay. to find out later, but, oh, sorry. but, um, it is a real movie and it came out in 91 and it, but it, it's just like, like so, so many beautiful vistas and it's a little bit more like oppressive and uh, nihilistic than this one. This one has a little bit of hope in it. Um, but I guess I was going in like thinking this better top black robe, but it really is like a different kind of movie because it's got kind of more going on with like the war of the French and the English and then the colonials and how they fit into it and the Indians on the different sides and yeah. So this is more hopeful than Black Robe? Because I thought this is pretty Black depressing. Robe is pretty depressing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you want a more depressing Last of the Mohicans, then. And, and like Black more Robe. violent and more uh, like gruesome, <laughs> go, go watch Black Robe. All right. But it's also got like more like they're like traveling through the Canadian wilderness and there's just like these beautiful shots on film that I'm like, wow, you don't see that anymore. 
But anyway, this isn't about black robe. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about black robe all night. The, black the, robe is actually the most talked about movie on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It was my most uh, anticipated movie of 2023. So, um, all right, we are now. You know, we're now at number one, which three of us three of us agreed on the same number one, which is mm-hmm. you know pretty. That's you know, and then and the <clears throat> and cool Fraser had it at number two, so. It's the undisputed uh, champ of Michael Mann movies. And that, of course, is Heat. Uh, who wants to do, like, the Heat take? What can even be said? Th- this is the magnum opus of Michael Mann. This is, like, what all his movies are kind of hinting towards or slightly about. This is exactly what it's about, right? Where you've got the the cop and you've got the criminal. And they're both just as driven just as capable uh and also the the other aspect of it that this movie is about is the whole idea of it is having that scene where they meet up in the diner Mm -hmm. and uh shout out once again to a guy that's in a lot of michael mann movies dennis farina known for his mustache yeah he was an actual cop and his partner is who the al pacino character is based on and he actually uh, had the criminal Neil McCauley was an actual criminal in Chicago back in the day. And he had been like tailing him. And at one point he kind of accidentally ran into him as he was going in to get coffee somewhere in Chicago. And so he sits down with him and they both have their hands on their guns. And then he's like, how about I buy you some coffee? And then they talk and they don't have like the exact conversation, but basically that story that he got from, uh, the cop who had actually been a consultant on the previous films is basically where the story of heat comes from. Amazing. And, and then the other uh, part of heat as a setup for it is the idea is you've got the criminal, you've got the cop, neither is an antagonist, but they're both protagonists and you're supposed to root for both of them. Essentially. Like when you're watching Al Pacino, you're like, man, this is a good guy. I'm really rooting for him. But then you're watching, um, De Niro and you're like, man, this is a cool guy. I hope he gets away with it, you know? And you kind of don't want them to run into each other, but without spoiling, they're kind of on a collision course to run into each other by the end of the movie. And this was their, their first movie together, right? Uh Sharing screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both in In Godfather two. Yeah. They're both in Godfather two, but not in any of the same scenes. This was their first scenes together. Yeah. Um, this movie, I think um, I had mentioned before, I, I watched it, I tried watching it as a teenager and I knew something cool was happening, but I didn't grasp the plot because it was, it had some intricacies to it that you have to pay attention to understand. Like if you're someone like me, like a lot of times I, I just watch movies and just sort of like for the visual element mm-hmm. and I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> but but if you're paying attention and you're actually um, watching it, 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 it is extremely gripping and it's just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so cool. And every character, like the entire cast of characters is so cool. I love everyone in it. Um, even just like the small side characters are awesome. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, we got, we got Val Kilmer in one of his best roles. Yeah. I love it. Um, um, Val Kilmer actually said that, uh, he was filming Batman concurrently with Heat, and he prefer. He said it, the best days of shooting Batman was when he was on the set of Heat. 
Um, well, that Batman costume was pretty rough, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, Ashley Judd before she Natalie Portman as a kid. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Little Natalie Portman. And of Tom course, Sizemore. we got um, Tom Sizemore, Tom, Tom Sizemore who uh, apparently as of, as of today might be might be dead. Uh, mm. Sad. We've got John Voight. John Voight doing great. We got Ted Levine, a.k.a. Uh, Buffalo Bill, but playing the cop. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like the, the cast is stacked. They, you know, it's um, it's almost three hours, right? It's just a little it's under three hours. We got yeah. Jeremy Piven as a doctor. Yeah, we got William Finchner, that guy. I didn't know his name, but he, you've seen him in movies. He did good. But it's, I guess, I would call it, it's like a, you know, it's the like a crime. Unit. It's a crime epic Magua. kind of. Magua's um, back. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. I shared the story once on on Twitter, but like, uh, my dad is all into uh, cop movies and and cop shows and like stuff like that. And but for whatever reason, he had never seen Heat. And my mom was out of town, and uh, we live in we live in the same town. And so I one weekend last summer, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna come over. We're gonna we're gonna watch Heat together." He's like, "What's Heat?" And so we both like sat in our recliners. Okay, and like watched Heat on his massive, huge boomer TV, and, uh, <laughs> and we just like sat there and just like watched the whole thing. It was such a great. This is like a male bonding experience. So if you haven't watched it with uh, your kid or your, your son or your dad or or your brother or something, you should definitely watch Heat. Watch it with your bros. It's it's great. Yeah, and um, my dad and there's a, there's a scene. I have to say this. This is like I thought this was a cool detail. There's a scene in the movie. Um where there's a, a fight um, in this big old field full of FedEx shipping boxes um, outside of an airport. And um, my dad, who um, worked for FedEx all his life in, in California, where, where heat takes place, was like, oh, yeah, I know this. This is a real place. This is like I've been to that field. I've loaded up so many of those boxes. So I am connected hmm. to heat in that one way. I was, my dad touched and loaded the boxes in that <laughs> film. So, yeah. I don't, there's like, it's one of those things where you can't, I can't, I don't even know what to talk about with you because it's just, uh, that's why it's just number one. And I feel like it's gotten a critical, not necessarily reappraisal. I think people always have thought it was good, but it's one of those cool things about the internet and time where really cool stuff like this gets outed and and it rises to the top like people discover it i think that it's been sort of rediscovered later it it uh yeah. it wasn't it wasn't nominated for a single oscar yeah, oh mm. wow yeah was yeah. batman <laughs> in so that what was it what year was that 1995 it was a 95 movie which means it'd be the 96 oscars which so was... like it lost to what, uh, robin williams or something oh okay braveheart um well, that's pretty cool. Braveheart, Apollo 13, <clears throat> Babe was nominated for Best well, Picture. Okay. Actually, <laughs> Babe is good. It's a good movie. Heat versus Babe, that's that's pretty tough because Babe is one of the rare perfect films. Um, <laughs> the Postman. The Postman? Uh, an Italian. Il, il, oh, Il Postino. Oh, my yeah. family have watched that like a trillion times. Yes. Sense and Sensibility. Okay, that's, you know, probably could replace that with Heat. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure we could have put Heat there. Yeah, but it, but it didn't even get a single nomination. Not 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 just Best Picture. No no nothing for the actors. So is this uh, why that they, they just they just felt bad for snubbing Heat, so they gave yeah. it to the Insider? I think they do that. A they lot. do that. All, they do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're dumb. Makeup calls. Yeah, but Heat good. I mean, it's just like such a cool title. Um, not yeah. a super great poster, but amongst the Michael Mann movie posters, pretty good. Uh, lots of iconic lines. Um, um, cinematography wise, I learned that they actually, for the night scenes, they shot the actors on green screens and then shot the background at three frames per second to ooh. get longer exposures to make the, the, the lights look brighter at night. Oh, wow. Hmm. I have to watch for that. Yeah, so like, um, and like you can't no- see it because they they filmed it with the same cameras, like so there's no, like lines to be noticed or whatever, you know, um, but but yeah, it has like a great look, even though there's nothing, like super surreal about it, like it just looks like L.A., but everything's very like intentional and beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the the last thing I'll say about Heat is it's just absolutely essential viewing if you like cool movies. Um, one of the best, some of the best, like gun work and and shootout scenes, and um, and some of the bullets that they shoot are actually real bullets, like not even blanks, and then they like green screened them, like in shooting blanks. I, I wondered about oh, that's cool. I wondered about the sound because the guns sound so good in that movie. Yeah, really good. Great sound um, mixing, but yeah, it's just a uh, not not much else to say. You just got to see it. You got to see it if you Dude, haven't. And a, lot, and a lot of people oddly have not seen it. Should I say why I didn't put it as number one? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go for it. So, part of it is just uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino kind of just feel like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. I'm not <laughs> fully lost in the in the fiction of the universe, whereas like in Thief, I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it's kind of like it's a little bit too much of well this is just Robert De Niro, and um, also speaking of Robert De Niro, the love interest and and charisma no I I, of all the Michael Mann movies I don't know if I buy this one this uh, yeah like I, one don't, I don't either I love it really no, I, I'm with I'm with Cool Fraser <laughs> I think the this I, I like. I like the way that the romance forms with uh, yeah. the girl, the girl that he meets, but it doesn't, they don't make sense together at all. No, um, it's just if a it weird... was like another actor, maybe it would have worked like either for the girl or the guy, but yeah, like yeah. it's kind of like just for those two things. And then just for the fact it's a little bit like there's so much going on. It's like, it's like listening to like, you know, orchestra music, Versus listening to like one guy playing the guitar, so I'd say Thief is more like a guy playing the guitar, they, and this they, is an orchestra, right? They kind of make up yeah. for it though with the I think Pacino and his wife. That that's one, really good. That one makes sense, and then um, Val Kilmer and Ashley Judd makes sense. Those those two like relationships, um, and and they're both like uh, contentious relationships. Those ones make sense. Like they. Those people fit together. You guys just maybe, I feel like it makes more sense if you've uh, spent a lot of time around art hoes. 
<laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I've spent my fair share around Argos. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just, there seems like they always go, they, like, I've known too many who end up with, like, weird old men, so... So is you, you, you believe, even you believe is, the De Niro art ho store? Uh, I, I could see story. it, especially if he had a lot of money. And yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'm just the first time I watched it, I had the same exact reaction. So maybe I just you know grew to grew used to it. Yeah. And almost it's like you're rooting for De Niro to get out of there, and then he goes back <laughs> for the girl, and you're like, "Do you really need her? Like, like you could get mm-hmm. some Cuban girl, go to Cuba and get some Cuban girl. You'll be yeah. happy." Yeah. Yeah, that's what my uh, I watched this with my brother and some friends one time, and they were just screaming at the screen. So, but I think that's, well, that's also like part of the genius of the movie too, because that's well, what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. He he's actually in the well. We don't. I won't spoil it, but you know, he's uh, the girl is not. He doesn't make a mistake by going for the girl. Basically, it's something. No, it's the other. It, it's the other thing that he does. But there's um, yeah, there's another decision made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I think that's where I saw the, the the connection with Thief. I think and like the Frank character, like kind of gets split, and you can explore that character a bit more between De Niro and Kilmer and the way their uh-huh. relationships are. Yes. Um, so that that's why I liked Heat more in that regard. And then also you've got we haven't talked about him, but Wayne Grow. Wango, he's a good chaos agent. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, he's the tiger. He's the wild chaos agent in it. And like it's a, that's like like you think of Heat, you're like, oh yeah, it's De Niro Pacino. But like the Wayne Grow wild card is like what kind of really fully rounds this out where you're like you know, there's kind of this other third presence that's just kind of like the chaos, the beyond. It's just I love that, like, something heavy. I yeah. love that his name is Wayne Grow. Yeah, great name. Great actor, like with the the skullet, you know. The guy is, yeah. That guy is Hen- Henry Rollins iconic. is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, um, doesn't do very much, but no. he's there. He shows up. I'm I'm reading the uh, the so Michael Mann wrote a follow up book that he put out like last year oh, or two yeah. years ago. Heat two. He wrote you know he wrote basically the sequel to the to the movie as a book. Uh, I'm reading it now. It's good. It's like, you know, it's just like a movie, right? He he wrote it basically to feel like a movie. And um, if, if he, he says he wants to make it, if he does it, he does it right. It'll be just as good. I think. So who do, so who do we cast as the new heat characters? Well, that's, there's a problem. So the book is a prequel and a sequel. And so it, mm-hmm. t- it goes from the end of the movie heat and it tells the story of the before time and the after time. Uh, wow. So you need a younger person, but you also need an older person. So just got to do the Irishman. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, they could just yeah use well, tiny no, like, skinny CGI. Well, without bodies. getting into that, but yeah, I wonder. Well, really Pacino put, uh, Chalamet in this. Yeah, Pacino like a year ago <laughs> said like no he he said that he said he said I think like Chalamet would be great to play like the young version of my my character in heat, which is like, no, like <laughs> Al Pacino yeah. sees himself as a shallow bay. Yeah. That's like, him flattering himself. He's like, I'm still hip. I'm so cool. Like, uh, Al Pacino but, is nothing like Chalamet. But Chalamet. Chalamet doesn't, doesn't have that energy. He's not no one. I wouldn't buy Chalamet as a coked up detective, but, but let's say we just had to recast this movie today. Who would be Macaulay and who would be Lieutenant Hannah? And who would be Val Kilmer? 
Um, um, wow. I've seen we, some stuff about like Bradley Cooper potentially being in the new movie, but I could see him as the, as the cop or the crew? as the cop. I could see him as the so who's opposite Hannah. Bradley Cooper. Um, so De Niro's De Niro's Macaulay is very like he's like calm and collected. Chris Pat Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt. No, no. But. The only actors left that can do anything, so it'll have to be like Chris Pratt and. Uh, <laughs> Paul One Rudd. of the Chris's. Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard to... But you know what's weird, too? It's like this movie was made long enough ago where actors still had individual personalities and personas and yeah. and, and ways of, of being and acting and looking and, and talking. Whereas I feel like we've now gone to just sort of a mono actor. There's, yeah. Yeah. There's like, you know, one sort of set actor. Yeah, so it's hard. You no, know, it would be Ryan Gosling would be the criminal. That's what I was. I was yes, just going to say that. Yes, right. Bradley Cooper and Ryan Gosling. Okay, I don't I'll... know about those, those <laughs> two, but but yeah, maybe. Who's um, Ryan Gosling's nemesis? Well, he's in the Gray Man with Chris. Yeah, Chris Evans, but but I that's not that's a good, good. movie. No. So. <laughs> um, but. Oh, the. What was I going to say about? Oh, the Heat Two, Heat Two as a book. I really thought that that was a joke for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get what he was talking about when he said he was like Heat Two is coming, and people thought they meant the movie. And he's like, nope, the book, the book of like, oh. Heat Two. I was like, yeah, and oh. then I was worried it was just going to suck, but it's actually that's good. That's really cool. That's really great. Right. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Everyone, go watch Heat. Go watch Thief. Don't watch Last of the Mohicans. Just don't, <laughs> don't need to watch. No, it. I say do watch it and stick through to the end. Watch yeah. it with a girl. It's different from his stuff, so it's a good departure. Yeah, yes. watch Collateral. Watch it with your GF. Watch it with your Chica. So watch uh, the, my my main three would be Heat Thief and Curl, uh, Heat Thief Manhunter and Collateral. My main four. Watch those as essential viewing. The rest, view them if you like those first four. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, you know, Last of the Mohicans is sort of like that's like a cultural liter- literacy territory. Like, just yeah, I guess watch that. I guess. Yeah. Get the clean flicks version. Yeah. Hashtag clean flicks. <laughs> Hashtag black robe again. Hashtag black robe. <laughs> Buy Giordano's book. Yeah. Uh, and subscribe to all those. Michael Mann will be making the movie of it soon. Well, it's not uh, going to be a movie. Subscribe. It's going to be a Netflix miniseries, but yeah. Al Pacino plays the pink cat. <laughs> I'm a cat. I got to stay sharp. <laughs> he talks I'll, about that a lot in the book. He's really um, obsessed with staying sharp. Speaking of, of right-wing stuff, uh, other than man being obsessed with Asian women, um, <laughs> Al Pacino talking to the guy who his wife cheated on him with. I, I was like, this is, this is like a good, Oh, that's like, a funny scene. Yeah. scene. <laughs> the part where he's talking about not, at, Oh no. He's talking to, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah the TV. Uh huh. Yeah. His, yes. his wife is acting out and the, the, yeah, the guy is there. And yes, that is a great scene. But uh, but we won't spoil it. Go just go watch it if yeah, you haven't. Yeah, we'll do. We will do later. Um, on this on this podcast, I plan to do a full episode on Heat, full episode on Thief, full full episode. Oh really? 
I think, yeah, I think so. And Manhunter and Collateral. At some point, you know, if this okay. goes, it, maybe not in the immediate future. Deep but, dive. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining. Like and subscribe and comment and all that and all of that. All right. Yeah. Love you guys. Peace out. All right, see you. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs>